0: Welcome to Season 4 of Sundays with Wendy, Finding Your Healing Tribe on the Cancer Journey. This season, we dive deeper into conversations sharing healing resources around cancer, and it is also the heart of our work at the Benjamin Goldberg Foundation. Thank you for listening. To learn more, visit benjamingoldbergfoundation.org. At Sierra Botanica and Collaborative Medicine, Oscar Sierra is passionate about the patient-centered approach. He is certified in both herbal medicine and acupuncture. He also studies biomedical and systems engineering fields of functional medicine and holistic oncology. Today, I'm excited to have Oscar Sierra with me to talk about cancer. So welcome, Oscar.
1: Hi, glad to be here.
0: I was so intrigued when we met about your approach. A big part of your practice is working with oncology patients. So can you share a little bit?
1: Yeah, let's talk about the approach and please interrupt me if anything is um, confusing or you want elaboration on. The approach has a name. It's called the ETMS. It stands for Eclectic Triphasic Medical System. This was a system thoughtfully developed by largely Donnie Yance uh, out of the Madiri Center uh, in Oregon. And that's where I did a lot of my training with Donnie and some of the other uh, medical doctors, herbalists, and acupuncturists back in 2011. And The approach again is ETMS, so eclectic triphasic medical system. And it's eclectic in that it is not just Chinese medicine or Western medicine or Ayurvedic medicine or uh, nutrition or genetics or genomics or, you know, Jamaican medicine. It's kind of like, hey, we don't care exactly where it's from, so long as it is safe, it is effective, and it is appropriate for the person that we're talking about. And it is also a bit of a tip of the hat to the eclectic physicians, which have an interesting history in the U.S., which Although I happen to be going to a wedding in Eclectic, Alabama in a few weeks, and that is a um, homage to this history that probably few people in Alabama or Eclectic know about. But it was where one of the first medical schools in the US was. Uh, So it's Eclectic, and the triphasic part comes from, if you can imagine a Venn diagram of three different overlapping, you know, kind of circles, the first of which is the patient And the the central part is the patient, the host, if you will, that focus on just centering on the patient is really important with a lot of traditional medicine. And that differs in Western biomedicine in that the focus is often on the pathology or the disease. And there is certainly good reason to focus and pay attention to a bacteria, a virus, a, you know, beastie of some sort, a growth, a cancer, whatever it is but often the patient is lost in that forest and the basic gist is you know set aside the fact that there may be a cancer or a hangnail or a hepatitis you know what is going on with the patient who are they you know what are they all about are they eating well sleeping well moving around well just basic questions that any traditional medicine practitioner can sort out fairly easily and these can be done concurrently as well the second circle is the environment and the microenvironment so that person is existing in not in a vacuum they are uh, part of a group or family or village or you know there there is an electromagnetic field around them from their cell phone under their pillow their wi-fi router under their bed every night their tower of 5g above their roof every day or uh paint fumes you know emanating from their house because they just painted it or the society in which they're a part of or not a part of or have connection with some meaningful work that they do or meaningful play that is happening. So, you know, what's going on outside of the patient and how is that affecting the chemistry, the physiology, the biology, the psychology of how this person fits into the world. It's the second circle. The third circle is the pathology itself, not just where it's located, which is sadly where much of Western biomedicine has focused on and fixated upon kind of myopically with blinders. It's just, you know, okay, it's located in the breast. So let's pull up my little algorithm of, you know, what to do and what drugs to give and what to cut off with breast cancer, as opposed to zooming out and seeing, you know, the whole big picture of the person, but also zooming in more than just the location geographically upon someone's body, you know, the shoulder, the breast, the prostate, whatever it is, and seeing, you know, at the genomic level, you know, 10 different women with breast cancer could have 10 totally different cancers. So, you know, one under the genomic microscope is wearing Nikes, another one is wearing Reeboks and differentiating these cancers on more than just geography of location, but of, of type, you know, cancers are like people, they're all different. Mm -hmm. You know, we may all be located in Atlanta, but those people within that town are, are vastly different. And the question is do some of those differences, provide clues as to how we can target that particular cancer and make it a more targeted individualized medicine. You put all of that together and, um, and that's the ETMS. So, you know, that's the, that's the lens of how we see patients and the world and the interventions that once we see what's going on with, with those lenses are five, basically, you know, dietary, lifestyle, botanical, pharmaceutical, and nutritional. So it is different than diet because, you know, like you don't, you don't eat alpha lipoic acid or vitamin C Mm -hmm. and it's not quite an herb. So it's kind of its own category.
0: It's so interesting to hear that whole person approach tell you as a patient, I felt it. I had an acupuncturist here that I began to work with and she very quickly said, you know, I think this is a little outside my scope and I need to refer you to Oscar. He's my mentor. That's how we connected. So you and I did telemed. And we reviewed after my major diagnosis, we talked about the scans. We talked about the blood work as it progressed, It really gave me an option. You know, I didn't feel so stuck in a decision or a doctor. And I was able to look at it from a, like you said, a larger lens, you know, so we talked about genomics and luckily I'd had some of that testing done and you um, referred me to have some extra blood work done that could lead to some other answers. You know, Vivian was on the ground here with the needles, but you were that, that extra for me.
1: Well, that's the collaborative part that actually is one of my favorite things to do is collaborate with other practitioners because everyone brings something really unique to the table and the patient really loves having just the feeling of having, you know, a team Mm -hmm. on their side and especially working with traditional medicine providers. And by traditional medicine, I don't mean conventional medicine. I mean, I'm a fan of conventional medicine and, and, you know, doctors have their place. People get hit by buses, but you know, the traditional med, you know, acupuncture, Ayurvedic, the, the things that have been around for thousands of years, they really have a good understanding of how to assess the person. They may not know, you know, the PI3K pathway or the VEGF pathway, you know, what studies are are saying that, uh, you know, this herb or, or that drug uh, target these pathways. And that's important, but it, it's not the 90% that makes up someone's health. So I love having someone like Viv or an acupuncturist be able to, on the ground, you know, see what's up on a, on a weekly or bi-weekly basis with the pulse, with the tongue. You know, I do a lot of work via video remote, but it's always best to have someone that's trained to, you know, feel pulses trained Mm -hmm. to just say, Hey, you know, I really think that there's some stagnation going on energetically around this part of your life. And then that way I can focus on like those geeky brainy, you know, cognitive things that I, I guess I'm pretty good at.
0: You are good at it. So tell me, what do you see is the biggest benefit when you work, with clients when they approach cancer from this lens
1: well I'll relate it to the biggest tool so the biggest tool in in any clinician relationship is a relationship with the patient that that is what you can leverage the most and when a patient feels like the bases are being covered and there's no stone left unturned they feel better about making their decisions which is empowering so mm-hmm with the trust in the relationship. And they may not agree with what I recommend, but at least they know that someone's asking those questions, that someone is considering these things. And at the end of the day, they sit, meditate, pray about it. And then they're like, well, I really feel like someone has asked about these pathways, asked about these drugs, you know, considered these options that may not be on the conventional oncology table. Now that I have, you know, more options than just, you know, chemo, radiation, or surgery, And um, have an education around what some of these may entail, the risk and the benefit. And you know, medicine is a practice. You know, no one will say, Mm -hmm. oh, if you do immunotherapy, everything will be hunky dory and there will be no side effects at all and you'll live happily ever after. But you know, we all make our, our best educated guess from our own background. I think generally people, once they get the information, usually, You don't have to make a decision overnight. The cancers, most cancers are not a medical emergency. You really have time to dig into some of these options and sit with them, see how they feel, Mm -hmm. uh, get a second or third opinion, you know, spend a few weeks and during those weeks, you're getting yourself stronger, which in and of itself is helping you feel more confident. So basically just empowerment. I guess if I was going to boil it down to, to one, one word and it's empowerment via education and trust.
0: I remember in the very beginning, I was scheduled one round of chemo and you said, can she hold off? Can we bolster her system up? And I'll never forget that because I think that's what it really did for me during the chemo phase. You know, I was going to do the treatment, but what can we do to make my system respond in the very best way it can. And it proved, I mean, hundred percent, because that first round of chemo was a mess, but by the time I got the herbs and got some of your advice, I feel like it just got better and better and better.
1: I would love to have, there's that blood work, that CBC that you got at one point mm-hmm. after doing mm-hmm. what, like four rounds of chemo. And there wasn't like a single blood chemistry in your CBC, white blood cells, red blood cells, hemoglobin, hematocrit, uh, platelets that was below the lab range, which, mm-hmm. you know, there's something to be said about the lab range not really being optimal. But still, the fact that you've, you had done whatever it was, three or four rounds of chemo, and none of your you know cbc was out of range was i think the first time i'd, I'd ever seen that i mean uh i kind of want a copy of that to frame it <laughs> you should have a copy of that to frame it on your wall because that's really something to be proud of i mean i have you know here's a uh, mandatory certificates on my wall my black belt and my american herbalist guild you know sort of registered herbalist certificate and stuff but uh you know the ones that would be like okay where's the rubber meet the road show me some results not just that you went to school
0: well um you know i'm very compliant so i did what you told me to do
1: and it pays off doesn't it Mm -hmm.
0: it really did like i've said before i really wanted to look at this cancer diagnosis from every lens when i was thinking about fasting i definitely asked you about that and you said yes i want you to fast around that chemo day so i think it was everything everything made that blood work in my response to the treatment I can share now with more confidence that the doctors have said my response to the chemo was so great that they are now considering me non-metastatic I'm with a 90% cure rate.
1: That's amazing and deserves kudos and deserves to be yelled proudly from mountaintops.
0: But I mean, it took everybody. And that's why I feel like this season I wanted to connect all of the people that I worked with. It was a team approach and I know it was unique and it very organically came together together um, beautifully and still will. Cause I, this is not the end of the road. There's still more for me to do, but it always makes me feel safe to know that I have you guys to reach out to I'm grateful.
1: It's a, it's an honor and it's kind of fun, honestly, especially <laughs> when there's other people involved, like I really, you know, so my business name here in Atlanta is Sierra Botanica and collaborative medicine. And I really thought it was important to include the word collaborative in there. Because it doesn't establish a hierarchy in that, oh, the oncologist is at the top of the pyramid and everyone, you know, bows down to him or the dermatologist or the gynecologist or the, you know, no. Patients at the center and there's a circle of players around that, um, you know, that throw ideas into the mix and uh, we, we take those ingredients and, and make a, an interesting stir fry with different flavors from different people and, you know, all sit down and have a meal together on the same level playing field. Mm-hmm. And that, that's fun. That's like playing music. I'm a musician at heart, but I, I equate it to, you know, to jamming. And you just listen to, to the other people in the room on stage and see what's going on and, and put your two cents in and create something bigger than what was there just a minute ago.
0: Well, it works. I can tell you. Last time we connected, we had a conversation and, you know, a lot of this information around cancer and around um, the genetic testing and treatment options is changing so rapidly. What is the best advice you can give someone to even begin to comprehend or research all that's out there right now?
1: Uh, Honestly, I would recommend them, if they are the patient, yes, to stay informed and and feel like they are uh, coming from a, a stable place of knowing and feeling but i would also advise to delegate because there is just too much information out there and there can be a paralysis of analysis i would really recommend just getting someone that is already used to looking at those pathways and interventions Uh, and with regards to the herbs that are mentioned in some of these studies i wouldn't automatically jump on those herbs i would consider them and someone maybe Cascade Anderson Geller said something kind of profound. Said, you know, science changes, you know, from one day to the next, from one month to, you know, like this drug is the favorite player. Oh, no, you know, aspirin is good for you. Oh, no, aspirin causes more, more harm than good. But she said, you know, traditional medicine understandings generally stay constant. You're right. So much of the genomic information is coming out quickly and information changes and, and the drug recommendations change. There's more elucidation on these cancer pathways of messages coming into and out of cells and within the cells into the nucleus. You know, there's a bunch of grad students out there that are, you know, working on this stuff every day. They're publishing. Most clinicians, especially oncologists, just aren't there scouring the, the research in PubMed to see what the latest is on PI3K or P53 or, uh, you know, mTOR pathways or whatever it is. And then the product of that, like even if you did do two hours of research every day, like what do you do with that information, right? So sometimes it involves herbs and foods and occasionally lifestyle stuff. You know, so does that mean that you you go out and start taking, you know, black, a ton of black cumin seed because this one study said that that the thymoquinone in black cumin seed, you know, inhibited this cancer or that pathway? Well, maybe. That's interesting. And it's certainly something to take into account, but I would say that the primary consideration for at least recommending an herb or an herbal combination or formula should not be based on the science actually. And that's a bold statement from someone who is at heart a scientist. I think it should be based upon the energetics and the traditional usage of that herb. Now, if it happens to fit the science, I think double bonus, but Mm -hmm. you know, the first consideration is, you know, I'll give you an example because black cumin soup, which we talked a little bit about earlier today, is a uh, you know inhibits bcl2 and some cancers are really you know bcl2 is a big mutation in those cancers but black human seed happens to be a very hot spicy herb so if someone is uh you know menopausal uh, they live in florida it's the summertime you know they're already hot they have a high <laughs> crp inflammatory condition dermatomyositis and, and red rashes all over their body and they have a lymphoma you know, is that my first thinking that that would be the best herb for them? No. Is it in in the list of considerations? Yes. Or maybe I, I employ a black cumin seed oil and I mix it with a bunch of cooling, moistening things to kind of moderate its effect. So not just because some grad student published something about black cumin seed and thymoquinone and, and X-cancer or X-pathway, do I, you know, jump on that bandwagon or, of soursop or whatever it is. I really consider about You know, how the energetics of this and its effects on the person and the environment, I mean, the the whole thing. That just underscores my point earlier about, you know, what do you do with all this stuff? Because it's changing. Mm -hmm. Well, the research is changing. The traditional indication that black cumin seed is hot and ginger is spicy and cucumber is cooling, guess what? That does not change. That pretty much stays constant. So getting someone that is well acquainted with these things would probably be the best bet if you can. If you can't, then pay attention to both things, the research and the science and the traditional indications. And if both are saying that cucumbers would be a good idea for you, then like, woohoo! go to town Mm -hmm. on cucumbers.
0: No, that's great advice because it can be overwhelming.
1: Yeah, it's overwhelming for me even, and I do this stuff every day.
0: But you were so passionate about what you do. You know, I was reading in your bio, you also volunteer.
1: Yeah. There's a, uh, that's actually really fun too. Historically it was with Lauren Amani Brodeck and the herbalista team. And we would do a foot clinic every week. So basically working with a large homeless population in Atlanta, homeless people have a lot of feet issues cause you know, they don't change their socks, shoes. They walk around, they're on their feet all day long, blah, 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 blah. a lot of diabetes, so we take care of their feet and I would do some acupuncture and you know, we'd help them out with herbs, we'd give them a new pair of, uh, of, of socks. And, uh, you know, it can really make a big difference. And we still do that today. So now once a month, we're still getting together in the herb cart. And so we do little herbal consults, little acupunctural, reiki, uh, set them off with uh, a meal, and it's all free. It's kind of like a big group setting, side typically, like tense, like kind of mash type style. And, you know, I'm not seeing one patient at a time. I'm seeing like three or four or five. And you got, you know, 10 minutes with someone. They have all kinds of stuff going on. Let's focus on the most important thing figure out what it is Mm -hmm. bam you know do it next and um, that also kind of hones my clinical skills
0: i bet well i'd love that you do that
1: it's fun yeah
0: Mm -hmm. well thank you for um popping on today and sharing a little bit
1: i i hope and i hope maybe we've sparked some interest in in practicing this as a career we could certainly use more more people out there that are trained and educated in this and, you know, one out of every three people in our, our lifetime are going to be affected by cancer. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm not the only one that does this. And so ETMS, the Madeiri Center is a great resource. I'll, I'll point them to someone local if I can as well. Okay, great.
0: Well, thank you for all you do. My pleasure. This information offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace, professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you should have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional. Do not disregard, avoid, or delay obtaining medical or health-related advice from your healthcare professional because of something you may have heard on this podcast. The use of any information provided is solely at your own risk.